week's episode of the top five report the podcast that recently realized that 2022 is actually pronounced 2022 <laughs> my name is drew i'll be your host for the evening along with me as always is my brother peter <laughs> i am here uh we don't know how long that will be but i am present at the moment so <laughs> <laughs> um so peter Today, okay, so first off, this is weird because we always have to record the Christmas episode a little bit early, so it drops Christmas week, correct? Yes. Yeah, okay. So at the time of this recording, today is um, December 20th, which happens, yep. to be, which happens to be D20 Day. So happy D20 Day, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I've never I've – never put that together or heard that before but that's pretty great <laughs> yeah so happy d20 to all your gamers and dungeons and dragons players and everyone else who needs a d20 in their life because i think we all do and just as a fun fact have you ever noticed that tiny little pocket in your pants that you don't really know what that's for well that's for your d20 so um <laughs> see i always thought it was for chapstick but no that's definitely a good call and we all need to be able to we all need that d20 to be able to roll those initiative checks you know every once in a while in life you know, so i think never, that's a really never, good no, uh, thing to live never, by you can't go along in life always using your passive perception that's all i'm saying <laughs> um, absolutely um, at any rate peter how the hell have you been doing I've been doing pretty good. Um, today, I had a work from work day, as my boss ca calls it. So uh, it's basically, yeah, because I work an office job and we've just been remoting in the whole time this pandemic. But this was one of the first days where they, you know, they were just kind of like, oh, you can come into work. And it kind of also oh, worked as like a makeshift Christmas. Yep, exactly. And it's kind of like a makeshift Christmas party at the same time. So I I know last week I mentioned that I was tra frantically trying to catch up on the book, uh, The Dirt, that I borrowed from a coworker because I wanted to give it back to her today, you know, because I was going into the into work. But I didn't quite catch up. I haven't finished the book yet. I'm about three quarters of the way through. <laughs> so I wasn't able to give it back to that coworker yet. But she happened to not come in anyways. <laughs> so I'm still in the clear as far as that goes. Um, but yeah, that's about all that's going on with me. Um, are you up to anything fun or exciting or um, I'm counting the days? I have two more days of work left and then I'm on vacation for 12. So I am getting ready to oh, take the 12 days of Christmas. <laughs> yeah, the 12 days of Christmas. I'm getting ready to take <laughs> a legit 12 day vacation where I do nothing but sleep and catch up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, you're just going to have tons of birds on your hand. I don't know what you're going to really do with them. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I don't know what I'm going to do with them. 
No, I'm just honestly, I'm counting the days to my vacation. And it's literally I feel bad because I'm a little bit mentally checked out, but I'm still trudging through. Got to get through these next two days. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah. we've all been there. Yeah. Um, that being said, um, what about. Uh, all right. So you you did you see Spider-Man uh, No Way Home? Yes, I saw okay. Spider-Man. Okay. Um, so did I. Um, yes. We will review this, but let's do it a little closer to news because it'll segue segue really well. Um, did you are you caught up on Hawkeye? So for us, this it's up to episode five. We haven't seen the finale yet. So have you seen episode five? Yes, I'm caught up okay. on Hawkeye. Perfect. As well. So again, we'll do that in a minute. What are you <laughs> watching and reading? That's honestly pretty much it. Um, besides that, I've just been kind of watching uh, Christmas movies and stuff like that because it is, like you said, it's December twentieth. I'm just trying to stay in the Christmas mode, and uh, yeah, it's it's honestly been Christmas movies, uh, last minute Christmas shopping, and Spider Man and Hawkeye. <laughs> for me so i know there is a really big show that just came out this weekend that i haven't had the chance to watch yet and i don't know if you're gonna bring that up right now to be honest uh the witcher yes the witcher i haven't had a chance to start that yet no i i honestly haven't had a chance to start it yet either and okay cool um we we are that's okay that we haven't had a chance to talk well netflix shows in my opinion are weird because like a disney show releases week to week so we can talk about it week to week but a Netflix show, it's kind of like, where are you at? Can we talk yet? You know, so it's okay, yes. in my opinion, if we can't discuss The Witcher, we will get to it. Um, so that's all you've watched and read? Yes, yeah. Okay, perfect. Uh, there's one other thing. There's two things I want to bring up that I watched. First off, the trailer for the Harry Potter reunion dropped today. Um, I checked it out. It is what I expected it to be. It really is the cast and crew getting together to sit down and talk about the movies and what it means to people and what it meant to them and reminiscing and all that stuff. It's basically the Friends version, like the Harry Potter version of the Friends reunion. Um, Right. So, I mean, it was kind of cool to watch the trailer, but if you're a super Harry Potter fan, I'm sure you're going to sit down and watch it. Um if you are just a mediocre Harry Potter fan, I don't know if it's something you're going to jump at because it's not a new movie. <laughs> so, right. um, yeah. I, I do. I do plan on watching this. Um, I haven't watched the trailer yet. I didn't know it was released yet, but uh, I will be watching it when it comes out. And uh, sure. I do like. Uh, yeah. Harry, Ron and Hermione, the three respective actors who played those roles, I do think they've gone on to kind of. In a weird way, they've kind of all gone on to almost star in a lot of like just indie projects and interesting stuff, even though they are huge names. And I know Emma Watson was in Beauty and the Beast and huge movies. But I do think they've kind of shined as well as with a lot of just weird indie movies. So I actually really am enjoying their career um, expand and stuff like that. So I'll have more to say on the Harry Potter thing in the future, I believe. But uh, yeah, what's the other thing that you watched? The other thing that I watched was a documentary. Uh, It's on HBO Max. The documentary is called Street Gang. Um, Cool. (laughs) This this documentary I've actually been waiting for for quite some time. It is the making of Sesame Street. You, you laugh. Nice. You laugh. I laugh it's, because it's a it's a very clever title and it makes knowing what the show is about. It makes absolute sense. <laughs> yep. yep. Um, yeah. The documentary is incredible because they take you all the way back to the inception of wanting a show that 
um, understanding the gap in education for certain minority groups and wanting to fulfill that gap, thinking to themselves, can we teach people using a television and mm -hmm. creating a show that would directly not talk down to kids, but teach the kids. So in a world where all, most kids' television shows were selling products, like go tell your parents that you want Tootsie Rolls or go tell your parents you want this and trying to sell products, instead of selling products, we're selling the alphabet or we're selling numbers or we're selling colors and teaching kids from a three to five age group. And that was the whole premise of the show. That was the whole idea of the show. Um, the other idea of the show, which I found really interesting because I was kind of thinking to myself about this, is they wanted it incredibly racially diverse. Um, yeah. And watching the documentary, it made me realize that it's probably one of the most racially diverse shows ever in existence. And as a viewer, I never noticed. OK, like, I, I never noticed how racially diverse it was because you're just on Sesame Street and here everybody is and here's all the characters you love and here's Mr. Hooper and here's Gordon and here's Maria and you know what I mean like all these characters that you've known and all the kids doesn't matter age race gender none of it it was like it just it just they were there there they are yeah and your absolutely. friends and you sat down once a week and I think that's amazing credit to them for doing such a racially diverse forward thinking show and us as viewers technically not noticing um, they did cover the backlash that they did get about people who are uncomfortable with so many things like that would happen on the show in terms of that ethnic background stuff. <laughs> but it seemed minor in comparison. Um, yeah, I haven't even heard of people having that <laughs> reaction to the show, to be honest. Well, they did cover it, but then they, but they also cover like Jim Henson coming on. You get to see all this behind the scenes stuff with Jens, Jim Henson, Frank Oz, Carol Spinney, yeah. all these people behind the scenes building the puppets and deciding what, what how the puppets work, not mechanically work, but demographically work and all this. Oh, my God. It was, it's such a gorgeous, gorgeous documentary. It's called Street Gang. It's on HBO Max. Check it out. It's awesome. Um, that sounds yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, it was and it and it was kind of emotional, too. Like there's just some parts that kind of made me tear up a bit. I was like, wow, you know, it's just really good, really good storytelling. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, check out Street Gang. It was great. Um, let's talk some Marvel stuff. Uh, Hawkeye. Um, yes. I loved episode five because I was so excited to see Yelena back in like the most Yelena way we could possibly see her. Florence Pugh is so fantastic in this role. And like everything that comes out of her mouth is amazing. She, her line delivery is just astounding. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so it was just so great to see the uh, Yelena uh, Kate Bishop show, which I'm, I'm really hoping that in the realm of moving the world forward, they become the new Hawkeye Black Widow duo. Um, and that might be really how they were playing that up to become that thing. Um, Absolutely. We're going to spoil the crap out of this episode and we're <laughs> going to spoil the crap out of Spider-Man. So, yes, by all means, you've been warned. Um, but the big thing for me was the big shocking moment at the end of Hawkeye episode five. Um, before we get to that, thoughts on the episode. Um, this is just honestly, it's just been par for the course. Like, I've just really been loving this show. Like every episode, I feel like it gets better and better. 
And uh, I was talking to uh, some coworkers at my uh, work from work day <laughs> about the show. And uh, one of the things I forgot, but that I actually really, really appreciated was at the beginning of the episode, like really the first scene when they depict um, how Yelena, like from her perspective, when she goes through the blip, what that looked like to her. I just thought that was a really incredible yeah. visual. And it was it was so jarring, but in the best way possible, where when it happened, I almost my first reaction was almost like, OK, she's in a weird like VR scenario and that's what's happening like oh you went the walls melted down you went out you went somewhere else that i did but go ahead but i mean but then obviously you know a minute later you like you know it was kind of confirmed that it was the blip and i just kept thinking like it's such a cool way to depict that but it also kind of answered a question that i've had because i always wondered what I guess I didn't it's more of a subconscious wondering that I had because I don't know if I really took the time to ponder this, but I thinking about it, how does you know, how does the blip the people who went who were blipped away or however you want to phrase it, what did they experience? And it was kind of really interesting to see that it was an instant. They're gone and now they're in this reality that's five years later and part of me for some reason like almost like wanted to picture them floating in like a black vast world of nothingness for five years until they were brought back to the real world or something. But the fact that it's that like instant transition, I thought was really bizarre, but just a really, really cool depiction. Like, I don't even know how to put it all into words, but uh, what were you going to say? Where did you go with your mind? Did you think of the blip immediately or I thought of the blip immediately. But what my brain did before we got confirmation that it was the five years later was to myself because we always there was the speculation that they went into the soul stone. Right. Right. Yeah. So my first reaction to that was Yolanda got blipped. Oh, pocket dimension here. This is where everybody yep. went. That's what yep. went through the brain. This is where everyone went. And then I realized it was five years later and went, oh, no, she just went in and out. And to everyone out, to everyone who did get blipped, it's that split second. Because we knew well, I, them that they didn't know it was five years later. We knew everyone realized that. We just didn't know where they went. And they didn't really go anywhere. Time just left. That's, you know? that's what's crazy about it. And I remember when... Uh, Infinity War first came out and there was all these weird fan theories that there was this sort of, um, yeah, this like soul stone sort of like purgatory world that everybody went to. And I actually think that the sort of just instant transition to five years later is much more bizarre and kind of just a really like a lot cooler and a lot more tasteful of a way to do that. So I actually thought that was really awesome. So um, yeah, I mean, as far as the I know you were going to just talk about the ending of the episode, too. So I kind of want to hear your thoughts on that, though. Well, so anyway, that's that's where we were with Yolanda. Did you have anything else to add on the episode before we talk about I, that? I think it's one of those things as we talk about it, I'm going to have more to say, okay. if that uh, makes sense. <laughs> well, the big thing about the ending for me is, first off, well, let's just say it, Kingpin. Yes. Uh, and from the photo, it sure looked like Vincent D'Onofrio. From absolutely like Kingpin and the Daredevil show, which oh we'll we know, more, we know we'll it's talk more about Daredevil. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, but it was really nice to see that that's the version of Kingpin they're going with. It was really exciting to know, oh my God, are we going to get to see Kingpin next episode? You know what yeah. I mean? So it was, it was that exciting. Um, there was just a, that exciting moment like, oh yes, here it is. And there's a, there's a knit and gritty to the street level Marvel characters because we've been dealing with the Avengers for so long. And these shows are showing us the smaller side of the Marvel Universe. And we're getting into the, I guess, underworld stuff because we got Moon Knight coming, for example. We got, you know, um, sounds like we could the way Kevin Feige was making statements about when will we see Matt Murdock again? We could have more Daredevil stuff coming, knowing the Kings in there. (laughs) You know, we don't know where this is going, you know. So, yeah. I just I got really excited and I was like, yes, Wilson Fisk, here we go. You know, so I was just excited to see it um, more than anything. It was just excitement because it was the final end. It was just like the final image. And you're just like, yes, Kingpin. Yes, here we go. And it was cool because I I believe it was this episode when Hawkeye mentioned like the big guy or there's a phrase like that. And it was cool to have that confirmation that like, yes, he's talking about Kingpin. And uh, it's just really cool to see these two worlds brought together. Um, I don't have too many, too many thoughts other than that. I'm just really excited about where this is going. And um, like you mentioned, the, uh, you know, when are we going to see Daredevil next? And I'm sure we're going to be talking about that very soon. But no, this show, every episode, I've said it for a couple weeks now, but every new Hawkeye episode that comes out, I it just keeps confirming for me that this is my favorite of the Disney Marvel shows so far. Like, I really, really love this show. I don't know if I have for this episode. Besides that, I don't know if I have too many like super nitpicky things to point out i've just been having a blast with it you know i don't know if i can say it's my favorite yet it's definitely up there on the list in terms of favorites right so but yeah the hawkeye show i think is surprise i think the hawkeye show is surprising everyone who's watching it i don't because i feel like some people are like really we're doing a hawkeye show and some people are like yeah let's do a hawkeye show more marvel this is just this is just really wowing my brain as to how good this show is. So so I think I was in the camp that was going really we're doing a Hawkeye show. And then once I saw the trailer, I was just like, this looks good. And then everything I've just seen from the show has just confirmed that, like, no, this is just really good. <laughs> you know? So like, I don't I wasn't know necessarily sold right. immediately, right. but it's just right. been really, really awesome every step of the way. All right. Um. All right, let's talk about the big one. Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, all right, initial thoughts. Where do you even begin? <laughs> I, let's just put it this way. I loved the movie from the beginning to end. It was such a yes. fun movie, top to bottom. Like, so well put together, so well written, so cleverly thought out. Um, before we get into some of the real deep cut stuff, um, for me, as a reader, Doctor Strange has always been a secondary character, like a supporting role. He always just pops up here and there. I've never read a lot of Doctor Strange stuff. Because of the MCU, Doctor Strange, like every time we see every time he's on screen, I want more. Mm-hmm. I all, I'm, I'm always wanting more Doctor Strange. And I don't know if it's the casting of Benedict Cumberbatch. I don't know if it's the writing or I'm just really, really enjoying this iteration of the character, but I'm constantly wanting more Doctor Strange. And nice. we, got, we got a ton of Doctor Strange in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm just really, really happy for that. Um, 
Yeah. Do you have anything to say before we start spoiling the crap out of this? And again, warning, we're spoiling the crap out of this movie. So by the time this episode drops, everyone should have seen it based on the box office dollars. Everyone should have seen it. So. <laughs> well, I guess I'll just say, since we're talking about like our opinions on different characters of the MCU, I've mentioned a couple of times on the podcast. Um, Tom Holland isn't my favorite Spider-Man. I think he's. I think he's a really good actor. I think he's definitely a great choice for the job, but certain aspects of the way he's been written in different Marvel movies, I haven't been the most happy with. So I was kind of went into this uh, into this movie kind of a little bit skeptical. You know, it's getting tons of hype, but this isn't my favorite Spider-Man, you know, and I watched this movie and this movie, <laughs> for lack of a better term, really kind of made a true believer out of me. Not saying that he is now my favorite Spider-Man, but I just thought the movie overall was just amazing. Like, I loved this film from top to bottom. Like, it was such a good story. Um, one of the one of the issues that I have with Tom Holland has always been I felt like he screws a lot. Just his character screws a lot of stuff up. And a lot of the stories they've told with him is him screwing, screwing stuff up and then him having to clean up the mess, you know, from his own screw ups. <laughs> and I do feel that this movie still follows <laughs> that trope. But at yeah. the same time, it did. It just was other than that. It was just such a good story. And like, yes, this movie does follow like there are huge screw ups that uh, Tom Holland's character makes in this movie. But at the same time, that's all within the character that he has in the MCU. Like everything felt perfect the way that Peter Parker, Spider-Man, like Tom Holland's version of Spider-Man, everything he did just felt so in character. The same thing with Zend Zendaya, um, her version of MJ. Zendaya, Zendaya. I don't know. Well, she <laughs> what she pronounces it Zendaya. <laughs> okay. So. <laughs> well, so I'm, I'm going with her pronunciation. This isn't a Han uh, and Hoth Hoth big galaxy kind of a conversation. No, I, I hear you. For some reason, <laughs> Zendaya just sounds better to me, but it's all good. Um, but yeah, like her uh, her version of MJ, like so many of the dialogue scenes, I just felt like there's moments where she has like these sort of uh, smart aleck quips in lines that she's spoken to uh, Dr. Octavius or Dr. Strange. And a lot of those moments just felt super just like in character. And I just think the writing of this movie, like the writers really understood where to go when you look at all the characters in the film. And they had they had a really great character driven story. Um, I personally am a much bigger fan of the Tobey Maguire uh, and Andrew Garfield Spider-Man's. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a bigger fan of those movies than maybe the Tom Holland movies so far. But I think the way that they brought those two characters into this story was very tasteful and uh, it felt really natural and it felt this movie like, let's face are you, it. If are, they, you, are you dropping the big Spider-Man spoiler right now? <laughs> Is that what you're I doing? mean, you just said we're we're going to spoil everything. I know. But. I was I was wondering how tactful you were going into this. Uh, so. So, yeah, let's talk about Marvel's worst kept secret ever. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know anyone who exp who walked into that movie. Like, I honestly think by the time the movie was coming out, we were thinking to ourselves, are they going to be in the movie? I'm not 100 percent sure. <laughs> you know, like, I think we all know they're in the movie, but like Marvel just doesn't want to say it out loud. <laughs> Until we see it on the screen. Um, but you're right. Yeah. They, did, 
they did handle that so tastefully and they did it so, so well. Um, and that's that's the thing is I feel like the last thing I was going to say just now is I feel like with one misstep, like if they did one thing wrong, this could this movie could have become the cheesiest most laughable, just like horrible movie ever. And they really pulled off this impossible task of bringing all these three characters into the movie in a really meta. But yeah, again, very tasteful way. That was just they knocked it out of the park with with this one. So, uh, no, what were you saying, though? No, they just they handled the the Spider-Man, the Spider-Verse, if you will, thing very, very tastefully, very, very well. Um each like the cool part is, is like it's 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 very clear that it's a Tom Holland Spider-Man movie. But once all three are on there, they all got equal screen time. They didn't take away from Tom Holland. They didn't and give too much time to Andrew Garfield or too much time to Tobey Maguire. They didn't take away from Tobey Maguire to give it to the other two. You know what I mean? They mm-hmm. literally they blended those so perfectly. They gave an equal amount of time, equal amount of dialogue, equal amount of like fancy moments. Um, I loved, I loved how they righted their own mistakes. So when Tom Holland, sorry, is beating the living hell out of the green goblin, Toby <laughs> McGuire, because he's responsible for the green goblins death stops Tom Holland from making the mistake that he made. You Absolutely. know what I mean? And then Andrew Garfield, when Zendaya falls off the Statue of Liberty and she's falling to her death the way Gwen Stacy did and Tom Holland couldn't save her. But Andrew Garfield was able to get there and save her in time. He was able to right the wrong from not being able to save Gwen Stacy. Mm -hmm. So it was such a nice like, oh, my God, they did that. Oh, my God, they did that. Like they it's so well. God, they were so, so smart putting that movie together. And Uh, I I do think with uh, related to that, I do think that the way they were able to write those wrongs from past Spider-Man movies. As I was watching this movie, I was thinking about how Spider-Man is the only superhero they could have really done this with, because that's always, that's been the joke for years as they've had too many Spider-Man reboots and too soon. Like even with, even with Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man, when, when the amazing Spider-Man came out, a lot of people were saying, no, this is way too soon. But the fact of the matter is these, this is a hero and these are movies that have meant so much to a really wide variety of audiences over the years. And this movie was kind of a cool love letter to that whole Spider-Man legacy we've been living with for literally the past 20 years. And I don't think they could have pulled this off with any other character. And they just, it was just awesome to see the way that they brought all these three versions of Spider-Man together, you know? Right. You don't think they could have done it with Nick Fury and gotten David Hasselhoff back? (laughs) I think it's possible they could do it with Batman. But I still think Spider-Man is like a very Uh, unique situation that they could have done it it with. It is a very unique situation. I feel Mm -hmm. like a movie like that kind of coming soon. And and that's the one thing that kind of bums me out a little bit is like in the comic book world, DC had a multiverse before Marvel did. Marvel heavily criticized DC for having a multiverse. And then all of a sudden Marvel has a multiverse. Yes. And then DC is doing this whole we're going to do the Flashpoint uh, movie. 
and we're going to have multiple Batmans and it's going to explore the DC multiverse. And then Spider-Man goes, hey, we're going to do a multiverse movie. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to get it out yep. before DC. So it's going to look like DC's ripping us off. And then just yep. to twist the knife a little bit more. The name of uh, Flash Thompson's uh, novel is called Flashpoint. Yeah, I, I, forgot, um, <laughs> I forgot about that detail, but I noticed that while watching the movie and I was like, did they do that on purpose? Or oh, they totally did here, that on purpose. And as yeah. a DC fan, I just was like, oh, my God, guys, I feel so sorry that that's, this is happening right now. It kind of like mm-hmm. kind of angered me just a little bit. But I'm like, whatever. Just let it go. Well, that, movie. That's the thing is I'm looking forward to the Flash movie so much. And I'm always just because I'm always going to be rooting for DC a little bit more than Marvel. That's just who I am. But. Marvel did knock it out of the park so oh, well so that did. I'm going in. I'm I'm now going to go into the Flash film, a skeptic for that. <laughs> you know, like yeah. let's see if they can do this as good as yeah. uh, you know, yeah, the, uh, Spider-Man. Yeah. DC's got some. Uh, I mean, we are, everyone. I think the majority of the public thinks that DC's trailing in terms of the DC's in terms of their DC films, but yeah, man, they got some legwork to do because of how well this one came together. Absolutely. Um, I do want to talk about the big, horrible um, secret of, hey, we don't know when we're going to see Daredevil again, but Matt Murdock, <laughs> but Matt Murdock is going to be Peter Parker's lawyer in this movie. And you're just absolutely <laughs> you know what I mean? That uh, was too good. That was just a perfect uh, just a perfect like cameo, but an awesome way to show things that are coming and uh, or hopefully things that are hopefully coming and just. That was handled really well, too. There's the moment there's a moment in the movie when you see him and uh, you saw the stick and I didn't know who it was at first. And he sat down. I was like, my hands went kind of up from where, like because I had my arms like kind of crossed, whatever, as I was watching the movie. And my arms just went, what? <laughs> in that like, what moment? And my kid yeah. like looks at me and then looks back at the screen and goes, who is that? And I go, it's Daredevil. And he went, <gasps> you know, he just got all excited. <laughs> nice. So, um, yeah. And then, you know, so got the movie. It's just so damn good. Like, absolutely. I just I we could just sit. What's funny about it is we want to spoil it. We've basically talked about the big stuff. Um, But at the end of the day, we're just going to constantly keep saying it's so good. So good. So good. Yeah. Um, Okay, let's talk about the bonus scenes real quick. First off, first bonus scene uh, with Venom. I'm a little confused. So is Venom because if you watched Venom versus Venom and the Venom Carnage movie, Let There Be Carnage, he clearly comes into the MCU. So yes. is Venom no longer in the MCU now? Like, has Eddie Brock been ripped away and back into his own Venom verse and then he left the symbiote behind? Is that what I'm getting? I was kind of a little bummed that that happened. That's like, that's how I that's how I took it. And then it yeah. really did make me wonder, you know, who's going to get the symbiote next. But um, well, Tom Holland does. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> Tom Holland does, because if you listened last week, they've already uh, have they have I talked about this? Uh, uh, maybe. Did we talk about this last week? But OK, so we're going to go to like I said, the segues in the news a little bit. Um, if we didn't talk about this week, they've already confirmed that there's three new Spider-Man movies in the works. We talked about that, right? Yeah, yeah, we did. Okay, They're doing a whole nother trilogy with Tom Holland, which is going to be cool because now we got college college spidey but um and kevin feige officially confirmed that spider-man 4 is currently in active development it is super super early stages i don't care the fact that it's in development is all that matters 
So Dude, this this whole sp- like Sony Spider Verse is I think it's one of the most exciting things in comic book movies yep. right now. And you have Venom yep. and Morbius and now Spider Man, and it's got the MCU sort of distant relation going on. It's just yep. this is just really really fun. Um, you're well, totally right. It's probably Tom Holland who's going to get this, the Venom symbiote, but. Yeah. <laughs> to me, it's just it just seems crazy that we had a Venom solo film that somehow they pulled off a Venom solo film that had no relation to Spider-Man. And we got that origin and they pulled it off. And now they're going to have Spider-Man get the suit after that. That just seems so bizarre to me. I guess when I saw that scene, that bonus scene, I couldn't wrap my mind up around that idea. I was just like, OK, well, who's going to get the symbiote now? You know, I, I figured it wouldn't be spider-man it would move on to some other character you know what's really cool about doing it this way is we got the venom film we got the venom and carnage movie uh venom now left a part of this a, a piece of the symbiote behind which will go find spider-man right yeah um so then spider-man will have the symbiote suit that way when we finally get to see the venom spider-man movie that we all want spider-man will have the knowledge of the alien symbiote and why it's bad yeah. And you'll actually get the Spider-Man Venom movie the way we want it to be and not some weird amalgamation. And us going, well, you know, in the comics, this happened, blah, blah, blah. And you, won't have <laughs> comic book, and you won't have the comic book guys doing that. I know that I can do that sometimes and I do the comic book guy thing on occasion, but that's just a thought. Um, I will say that fans have been petitioning ever since this movie came out that they want a, a third Andrew Garfield Amazing Spider-Man film. Oh, hell yeah. I want that. And that has started trending over the weekend that they want another um, Andrew Garfield movie. Um, It'd be awesome. I just. I don't know how they would handle that marketing wise, and I know they're like, it doesn't matter because I know there's a part of it that doesn't matter because we got to see the Spider-Verse film, if you will. Yeah. But our parents going to buy it in terms of like, and it doesn't matter. Parents are going to take their kids like, Oh, it's another Spider-Man. Movie. <laughs> my point is, my point is the fact that is the average movie goer going to be like, wait, what Spider-Man is this? I don't get that. You don't, <laughs> you don't want to make it too confusing. So. No, I agree with that, but I really, I really do like the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies. I was going to say even the amazing Spider-Man two, but I'd say especially this, the amazing Spider-Man two. I love that movie and I know it's not well received, but I really enjoyed it. But I really thought I was in the minority in liking Andrew Garfield Spider-Man that much. It seems like I see more complaints about his movies than anything online. And the fact well, that people are petitioning for a new one to me, that's kind of just beautiful. Like, right. That's just really cool to hear. And it's cool to, you know, know that, you know, I like those movies a lot. And to hear that I'm not alone in that, like, that's just a really cool. Uh, yeah, that's just a cool moment right there. But uh, what um, were you going to say? Well, what I was going to say is my one complaint about Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2, is I don't like Electro before he becomes Electro. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jamie Foxx is way too Edward Nigma Batman forever. Um, Like weird. And then once he becomes Electro, I like the character a lot, but it's the pre-Electro stuff that I don't like. When we got to see Electro in um, Spider-Man No Way Home, he was it was awesome. Like the whole thing was awesome. Um, so um, that's my Here, here's that's, the, that's honestly my big hang-up with Amazing Spider-Man Two. Is right. Just, is this is the pre-Electro Electro? Right. And I 
since we're talking about Electro, that's actually one of the few complaints I have about No Way Home is I felt like so Electro comes to the MCU Tom Holland Spider-Man universe and he talks about like how the electricity has a different energy to it. And I actually thought that was a really cool concept like the electricity feels different here. Maybe it has a different frequency or something. And he actually has a different appearance and a different suit. And I thought that was actually all really cool. There was a bit of a disconnect for me, though, because I felt like his character changed a little too much where I thought it would be kind of neat if it was still the, the pre electro electro that we got from the amazing Spider-Man two but he just had, you know, slightly different powers and appearance and stuff like uh, I know there was a joke um, where he kind of made a Dungeons and Dragons joke, but he made it as somebody who like didn't really know about Dungeons and Dragons that well. And yeah, from the Amazing yeah. Spider-Man 2, I feel like that character totally would have known about Dungeons of Dragon and Dragons. And I felt there was a it just felt a little too disconnected from the way his character was it's an interesting pull. The I, last time we saw him, you know, I didn't pick up on that. The D and D joke was kind of like, ah, that's funny. Of course, it's a topical conversation right now. Um, but the thinking that his character and the, his character pre Electra would have known what Dungeons and Dragons is. You're absolutely right. And that's, I yeah, didn't and that. That's just kind of like, I, I really liked his performance and stuff, but it just did feel a little bit like, this is a complete this is almost a completely different character from the last time we saw him. So I was a little bit disappointed with that. But at the same time, this movie was so good. And if that's like my only little nitpick, like I almost feel bad even pointing that out. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. everything was handled so well that I almost just want to, you know, throw that under the rug and not worry about it. You know? Yeah. Well, um, in the world of covid rearing its ugly head with the. um Omicron Delta Plus Rewards Program variant. Um, <laughs> and thinking to yourself, when what movie is going to get people back to the theaters for regular movie theater going? Um, Spider-Man No Way Home had the second highest domestic opening of all time mm-hmm. in terms of box office dollars. So that means highest domestic opening weekends of all time go to Avengers Endgame, Spider-Man No Way Home and Avengers Infinity War. Yeah. And then Star Wars Force Awakens. But the top the top three are um, all Marvel films. That's awesome. Um, I just it was just really nice to see something from nerd cult. See, you know, I always joke with everyone that nerds run this planet and everyone is kind of like, ha ha, whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 we do. <laughs> yes. So um, anyway. And I do I do think it is interesting to think like if COVID never happened and people didn't get used to becoming shut-ins and locking down and stuff would no way home have beat Endgame. you know it's an interesting i mean we'll never know that for sure but i did feel going out to the theaters i did feel an energy and an excitement around this movie that i haven't felt for a long time and it was awesome and being in the theater and having it was just a cool experience because people were cheering you know and uh uh, Toby Maguire or Andrew Garfield, like when these characters show up on screen and at different moments, people in the audience were cheering and clapping. And uh, I haven't been to a movie like that in years. And it was just maybe since The Force Awakens came out, to be honest. And it was just really yeah. rewarding. And it was just a great, a great experience overall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. And I, I was really 
it was really, really nice to hear the audience laugh and clap. Like, I mean, yeah, people laugh in movie theaters, but it was like the thing where like Matt Murdock's on screen and there were people like there were people in the theater going, yes. Oh, dude, that's a nice. Pull. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Andrew Garfield comes on and there's clapping and Tony McGuire gets on the screen and like the everyone erupted like it was awesome. Like that's that's what you want to feel when you're in the movies anyway. So it was just yes. all, all those like perfect feels and stuff. Um, we are okay. Um, we talked about the Venom bonus scene. Uh, the we're just I'm trying to drive this. I'm trying to drive us along because we're just yeah. We could it, be on this all night. We just have a whole other show we got to do. <laughs> yeah, it uh, was a, it was a big movie, but yeah, no, you're right. Um, the Doctor Strange bonus scene was not a bonus scene. Um, it's essentially the first trailer for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And holy crap, am I excited for this movie? Oh, yeah, it looks like, great. Like, I am so excited for Doctor Strange, too. Um, when they announced that uh, Wanda was going to be in Doctor Strange, too, absolutely amazing. Um, when I, I got excited for it, when they started to not like I just in general, I was like, I cannot wait for this movie. And then when the bon- when that bonus <laughs> scene started, I was like, oh, we're getting a Doctor Strange 2 setup. Yeah. And then it wasn't just a setup. It was basically the trailer. Um, so. Um, thoughts on the trailer at all? No, it's a great trailer. I think it looks really good. I think um, having a crazy multiverse story like this uh, Spider-Man movie was, I think that's actually a really good way to bring an audience into the esoteric concepts that surround the idea of a multiverse. Like, I think you take Spider-Man, you take this really recognized, rec- recognizable, lovable character And you they kind of use this movie to, like, bring a lot of these multiverse concepts to the general populace. So now when uh, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness comes out, everybody's just primed, primed and ready to go. Like everybody just kind of is already familiar with this and they're just ready to see where this takes us. And I think that's on the MCU's part. That's actually just a really smart way to set things up. Um I was with that being said, and like I said, I think the trailer looks great. I'm really excited about this, especially Wanda being in there. I love uh, I've kind of really grown to love the uh, character of uh, the Scarlet Witch more and more um, as the different MCU movies and shows have come out. But with all that being said, I was a little bit disappointed that this was kind of a glorified trailer as opposed to a proper post credit scene. Like it kind of felt like when Captain America, the first Avenger came out and uh, the post credit scene was basically an Avengers <laughs> preview, like that was cool and fun, but I kind of would have rather had a more dramatic sort of proper post credit scene. But either way, it's still really exciting things that are coming. So I can't complain too much. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I just, I can't wait for Dr. Strange too. It's going to be so good. Um, so, all right, let's, Cover these uh, quick hits for news real quick. Um, first off, we have uh, Harrison Ford is looking like he's returning as Han Solo to Star Wars. Um, this comes from Giant. Okay. Freak, this comes from Giant Freaking Robot. Um, a trusted insized person said that Harrison Ford will play Han Solo again, and it looks like um, we hear that the actor recently filled this part for an upcoming project. Sounds like this upcoming project is for the Mandalorian season three and it'll be, oh, a, okay. and it'll be a de-aged Han Solo. 
Um, kind of like how they brought in, um, I guess, Mark Hamill for that Luke Skywalker bit, because at this point in the Star Wars story, Harrison Ford, uh, Han Solo is still alive. It's in that limbo yeah. between uh, Jedi and um, uh, Force Awakens. So I wonder where it'll go. Um, I thought that was kind of cool. So hopefully it's true. Um, I think it'd be great to see him again, but um, we'll see what happens when Mandalorian season three hits. I think um, everybody would be on board for this. Like everybody wants to see some more awesome Han Solo action and Han Solo moments. So, you know, yeah. why not? <laughs> um, uh, director Matthew Vaughn confirms that a kick-ass is getting a big reboot. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Matthew Vaughn says that kick-ass will get a reboot explaining that all rights revert back to him in two years. And then we're going to reboot it where people will be like, Oh my God, he's insane. Um, so it sounds like he's going to basically, cause he's going to get the rights back and then he's going to just start completely over. And here we go. Um, that's I'm, crazy. Yeah, I, it is crazy. It sounds awesome. Um, I'm totally down for another kick-ass movie, even if they did like a kick-ass three, but it sounds like they're going to go somewhere different. And as long as hit girls back, cause she was probably one of my favorite characters. I'm in. So, <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I'll definitely be watching this. It's just. Like Spider-Man, it seems like this is just way too soon to reboot this franchise. <laughs> right. So, well, we'll see how it goes. Also, so I'll, I'll, being, I'll be watching it. You know, it's also being rebooted from the guy who did it. Yeah, and that's you know? really weird too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Like I said, there's a couple quick hits here. Uh, Blue Beetle uh, was originally supposed to be a DC uh, HBO Max television series. It has been officially moved from an HBO. Oh, no, an HBO Max exclusive film. So, it yeah, like, it, now it's being moved from HBO Max to getting a 2023 theatrical release. Um, wow. So it, it'll be an exclusive to uh, theaters um, instead of being straight to HBO Max. Um, That's cool. The Halo television series has an official timeline that they've uh, created now. OK. So in some of the speculation with the trailer for Halo that's dropped, people have been wondering where this fits in the story. Um, some of the stuff looks like they're starting straight from the beginning. Some of the stuff looks like they're kind of mixing some things. Um, where I sat on it was going, it just looks like they're handling source material correctly. That's how I felt. Um, yeah. Until this uh, tweet hit. Um, it says the upcoming Halo TV show now has its own canon status. It falls on so under something called the Halo Silver timeline. Um, according to the producers, this was done to help protect the core canon and the TV show's story, letting each evolve to the best suit their medium that they're on. Um, we do have some context and percept, uh, perspective that is different from some of the stories we've experienced or read about in the games. Uh, Wolf Kill, uh, that's the producer, um, set of the show. We're referring to this as the Halo Silver timeline as a way of differentiating, differentiating it from core canon and both protecting core canon and protecting the television story. And by that, I mean being able to give ourselves the chance to evolve both and for both to be what they need to be for their mediums without colliding with each other. This is really good to hear because it basically states that what they want to do is let the games be the games we're going to draw from that source material and we're going to let the television show evolve the way the television show needs to and not worry about the games because you can't port that perfectly over. Yeah. Um, it's just nice to hear. It makes it sound like they're being careful. 
Um, and that's what I got out of it. We're being careful. We're letting it take away, take place the way it needs to take place. So, yeah, it's um, I agree with that. I think some people really like to see everything be considered canon or whatnot. But I think um, I think you're right where I think they're being careful with this one. And um, well, yeah, Paul Anderson, there's a couple different Paul. There's two different Paul Andersons in the film world. But the Paul Anderson that made uh, the original Resident Evil film. Um, one yes. of the, one of the things he said when he made the movie was, if I make the movie exactly like the game, then the players of the game are going to go into the movie and be bored because they know everything. They know all the jump scares. They know all the point story points. Everything is basically like laid out for them and they're on a railroaded journey. Um, so he changed stuff to fit the needs of what the medium was. And we got that original film and where the original film to me felt a lot like the original game, but it had its own beats. It had, it felt like it had its own canon is a really nice way of putting it. So if I go into, if I, I feel like if I go into the halo show with expectations like that, I think I'm going to be pleasantly surprised. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, just then just to contrast and compare. Okay. One more mm-hmm. quick hit and then we'll move on to our list for the night. Um, Disney Plus rescues a Goonies reenactment television series. Um, (laughs) This this headline stumped like I was really baffled by the headline until I read more of the article. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. (laughs) There's a lot to unpack there. So Disney Plus is working on a television series that follows a trio of students and their substitute teacher on their quest to reenact the Goonies. So when I read through the article, uh, long story short, it's basically going to be a television series about a bunch of kids and their substitute teacher remaking the Goonies shot for shot. Which which sounds awesome. (laughs) It just sounds like such a fun movie because not only do they get to go on the Goonies adventure, but they get to go on their own adventure while making the movie. And you're going to see how they're putting it all together, but it's going to be a scripted story. Um, it just sounds awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, it definitely sounds interesting. I, it sounds, it it's sounds still really hard to wrap too, my so. mind around like what exactly this is going to be, but it definitely sounds fun. So, and it's kind of cool that, um, it's kind of in a weird unofficial meta sequel territory that I think is a good way to not, um, encroach on the sacred name of the Goonies. You know, it's kind of like, you know, placing itself as its own thing instead of, you know, ruining anybody's childhood or anything like that, if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 exactly. And it's not like a straight remake of the movie. It's just they're yeah, they're re they're redoing it in kind of like a really charming way, if you will. Um, <laughs> like it almost feels like like the Goonies version of fanboys meets like uh, be kind or wind or I don't know. It's, it's it yeah. just seems like a really unique movie. So I'm really interested to see where it goes. It just seems extremely unique. Like I don't even know what to think of it yet. I know. I know. I just, it, it caught me off guard and I'm like, we totally have to talk about this. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, dude, um, we're a little bit longer than I expected we would be, but Hey, we had a lot of Spider-Man to talk about. Um, so you want to talk the list tonight? Yeah, absolutely. I don't even think we've scratched the surface of No Way Home yet, but no, yeah, we, we got it. We no, have we a show to do, so <laughs> we, we can do the not. list. And uh, it, we're going to be talking about it more and more as the multiverse stuff un, uh, unspools um, in these Marvel movies. And we're going to be coming back to this movie, I think, a lot in terms of like dialogue things. 
anyway, absolutely. Let's talk about the list. So, um, you know what I need you to do, Ryan. So please roll the thing. For the top five. All right, Peter. So here we are. Yes. Um, we are quickly approaching the year 2022, and it's time to. It's that time of year where we have to look forward at uh, things we are looking forward to. So this week we are going to be discussing uh, the movies that we are anticipating, or our most anticipated movies of 2022. Um, so. Um, I don't know who wants to go first. Um, I don't know really what you want to do on that one because this is kind of a joint list, if you will, because it's a scheduled thing. Um, uh, I, yeah. do have, I do have two honorable mentions, though. So. <laughs> so so do I. So then we're back at the point of figuring out who wants to go first. Um, you know I'm what? Fine. Oh, well, I'll go first. I'll go first. No big deal. OK, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, this would have been your week's pick, but it's a scheduled thing. So I'll go first. OK, cool. Um, so. Uh, that said, um, my first pick of the night. Now, first off, what's really cool about this is when you go through the list of next year, what's coming out, you kind of get to see in what order and what months things are coming out. So I can look at it and go, wow, that's what my wallet's going to look like each month. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Um, so the first thing I got on here is actually an untitled film. I don't know what it's called. Um, but it's going to be, it's an untitled film that's currently in the works by director David O. Russell slated for next year. Um, okay. David O. Russell is a fantastic director. Um, the two films that I that are very notably his that I think people will recognize are American Hustle and Silver Linings Playbook. Um, mm-hmm. He always puts together these enormous like A-list casts and they always turn out like these great, great movies. So I'm just really interested to see what that is. And the reason it makes an honorable mention is because as of right now, I don't know what it is. <laughs> so that's awesome, though. Yeah. No, I, I do like when there's like a director like that where it's just like, I don't care what it is. Like, I know I'm going to see it because I love this uh, director's work. So that's really cool. Um, yeah. um, but, yeah. All right, man. What's your first honorable mention? Yeah. So my first one is actually one we talked about really briefly earlier in the show, but I chose The Flash. And uh, this is a movie I'm very excited for. There's very exciting just really impactful potential that's going to be presented in this film but the reason why it's an honorable mention is again spider-man no way home presented a lot of these multiversal ideas so well it's i feel like it's going to be really hard for uh the flash to to match that and i'm really curious how it's going to play out but uh this movie Either way, I'm going to love it, and I'm excited to see it. It's just Spider-Man did it so well that I'm really, really curious how DC is going to handle some of these yeah. concepts and, and the situations. One thing, the one thing that Spider-Man No Way Home, yes, they have the Spider-Verse story, line, story arc and event that happened in Marvel Comics, but they didn't tell us they were doing that. And they didn't even really do the Spider-Verse. They did a, they did a blip of it, if you will. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the Flash movie is actually covering a very specific story arc called Flashpoint. And um, they were very clear about that from the beginning. And if you watch that brief little thing that Ezra Miller showed at um, uh, DC Fandom, um, we know we're it sure looks like we're getting Flashpoint the way Flashpoint's supposed to be. And with the multiple Batmans and stuff, I'm very, very curious to see where they go. But you're right. Um Marvel basically served up one hell of a plate and 
DC's got to like let's DC's got going to have to bring it, and they really are. Um, and I've yeah. always I've always defended DC, but man, they're going to have to bring it to top that movie. So yeah, absolutely. But I do think you're pointing out some really good points in the fact that like Flashpoint is a very emotional story, especially when it comes to uh, Barry Allen's perspective on everything. And I feel like, yeah, the flash on paper, it does seem like it's going to be really similar to Spider-Man No Way Home, but really it might be a really different movie. You know, maybe I'm not giving it enough credit where this movie is going to really focus on this sort of um, plight, like this really solitary plight by uh, Barry Allen and how that all plays out across the DC multiverse. And it's, I think it listening to what you just said, I think this movie is going to be a lot different than uh, no way home as well. So that's actually a really cool uh, way to look at things. And I think people who listeners who are familiar, familiar with the flashpoint storyline know what I'm talking about. Um, and if you don't, you can either <laughs> search out the source material or you can wait to see this movie. But uh, yeah, it's, it'll be out soon, which is really exciting. Yeah. Um, all right. So my next one, my next honorable mention is Scream. Nice. Um, which is literally right after Christmas. I'm going to be getting to go with Scream because it comes out in January. <laughs> so that's probably the next. Uh, um, there's like one other movie that releases right before Scream, but Scream will be the first one I want to see in the theater. So here we go. Um, I just thought that was kind of cool. So I didn't know it was coming out that soon, but that's awesome. Um one thing I was going to say about Scream is uh, I don't know if I've told you about this, but I've actually came around about the title because originally I hated the title of just calling it Scream because, first of all, it's the fifth film in the franchise and right. people are going to get it confused with the first film. But <laughs> then I started thinking more about the franchise of Scream and how Scream is it's a it's a horror series like it's a series of horror movies but it's also a really meta series that picks apart different aspects of horror movies and stuff. And I think this is the this is like the Scream movie. That's the movie that comes out years after the other films. And it's kind of a subtle reboot, maybe slash sequel. And the fact that they are just using the first <laughs> movie's name, I think it's kind of a subtle like meta joke that they're playing yeah. on us. That's how I'm looking at it. So it's one of those things where. I originally hated the title, but the more I think about it, I'm like, oh, no, this is perfectly in line with the spirit of this film series. So I actually have come around on the name a lot. So I'm looking forward to this one a lot, too. Um, all right, cool. What is uh, your next honorable mention? Yeah, so my next honorable mention is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1. This is the sequel to Into the Spider-Verse, the animated film. I don't. Literally, I don't know anything about the sequel, but I just loved the first one so much that I'm looking forward to it. The first one was a really awesome, just visual treat as well, as far as the animation and art that went into this film. And I expect this new film to be really funky and experimental in the same ways. And uh, I just think it's something great to look forward to. And I'm expecting it to be a, a feast for my eyes and I'm expecting it to be a great story. But I literally don't know anything about the film, and I kind of like the fact that I'm pretty ignorant to what's going to happen in this one. Yeah, and I hear you. That's a that's a really solid point in terms of like being blind into like, you know, hey, the first one was great. I know I'm going to get more of it, but what the heck are we getting? You know, <laughs> absolutely. 
Um, all right, so my first pick of the night. So since we're going into actual list picks, um, this coming year is really going to hurt. There are so many big movies. This is going to be an awesome movie, a year for movies, but I can only pick five. Um, mm-hmm. So, and this was, and it was kind of rough to go through this too many Marvel movies coming up, too many DC movies coming up, too many other things coming up. Um, so it's just, and you know, some of them I might be able to watch on like Netflix or something, but there's just so much coming. Um, so the first one I'm going to talk about tonight is one that I've literally had to put on my list two years running. (laughs) It's making my list for a third time because I really, really, really want to see this movie and I've been excited for it the whole time. But I'm also like, I can't go to the movie theaters without watching the trailer for this movie. And that is Top Gun 2. Um, Awesome. Yeah, we're finally going to get it. It's going to release in May. Thank God. But um, we're finally getting Top Gun 2. I'm just excited. There's not much more I can say about it because we've been waiting and talking about this for what feels like forever. So, yeah. Awesome. (laughs) This one this one didn't make my list, but it came very close. And it's the same thing, like. We've been waiting for this movie so long. Like, I feel like this movie was on our list for last year, to be honest. Um, And it's going to be awesome to finally see it come out. So, uh, yeah, great pick. Um, And like I said, this barely didn't make my list, but uh, I'm definitely looking forward to this one as well. So what's the next one you got? Okay. so are the is this is this is this list supposed to be ranked? I don't think so. This is just our five favorites that were like, I mean, this is. You know, when we do like when we finally talk about 2021, that list has got to be ranked. But OK. OK, awesome. Um, I just wanted to double check because that can make my next pick very, very quick. And that's because I have Scream on my top five. Ah. <laughs> I think this movie is going to be great. I'm excited for it. So. Me too. I can't wait. Um, all right. I don't know which movie to go with next. Um, all right. I'll hit this one now. Um, so the next one on my list is the Batman. Um, I honestly was like looking over the list of all the stuff coming. This is probably the one superhero movie like that's not. This is one of the this is one of the superhero movies coming out this year that I am incredibly curious about. Yes, I'm a massive Batman fan, so my butt's going to be in a seat. But this looks like a completely different take on everything. Um, and I'm really curious to see what Matt Reeves has in store for us. Um, and I'm liking what I'm seeing of the Robert Pattinson Batman so far from the trailers. Um, I'm liking what I'm seeing of the universe they're creating. Um, so I'm just, I'm really curious and I, I just, I want more of it and seeing what they're really doing here. And they said, it's going to be a dark psychological story. You know what I mean? So, Yeah. Yeah, um, well, we matched on this one, and I was actually going to save this one for the end because I think this is actually the movie I'm the most excited for this year. Well, sorry uh, to jump the gun on you. (laughs) Oh, no, no no worries at all, but I did want to ask you, Drew, did they have the Batman trailer before uh, No Way Home when you went to see it in theaters? Uh, No. Um, Okay. We had Morbius. Okay. Morbius. So that's what's weird is I didn't see Morbius when I went to see No Way Home, but I did see the Batman before it uh, in the theater I went to. And up until now, like I was excited about this movie, but 
I honestly had only watched the trailer a couple times on my phone and uh, seeing this trailer on the big screen, it was honestly a game changer because like I said, I've, I'm really excited for this and I thought the trailer looked really good. But seeing the cinematography and the imagery of this trailer on the big screen, but also paired with the the big screen uh, movie theater sort of sound system that you're presented with. Um, I really came away like really appreciating the, the music in this trailer, like the music hits you so hard when you're actually watching it in the theater. And it just feels so epic. And uh, just that whole experience made me even more excited for this Batman movie, um, even though, I, like I said, I already was. But I think seeing that trailer on the big screen really solidified it for me where I'm just like, yeah, I'm the most excited for this movie this year. Like, this is going to be awesome. So I don't have too much else to say besides that. But no, this is a this is a great one. I'm really excited for this movie. You have me thinking. So quick sidebar. The trailers I got were Moonfall, Uncharted, Morbius. Hmm. So I got Uncharted, The Batman, and I can't remember what else. I think there is another think, one, but I think that, I think I got I got like four trailers total okay um but i know i got moonfall uncharted morbius and i thought there was another one what was the other one shoot i don't remember um yeah but another, <laughs> another and and i know this is not the best time to run the list but i just realized uh there was a this is a quick jump back to our spider-man conversation there is an article i saw that claimed that spider-man no way home is the first movie to link the television shows on Disney plus to the MCU films, because in the Dr. Strange trailer, you hear him specific Dr. Strange specifically mentions Westview referring to WandaVision. Mm-hmm. Um, that is not the first representation of the movies versus the show crossover. Um, I'm going to go back to black widow, which came out after Falcon and the winter soldier and uh, Contessa Valente, whatever the rest of her name is, is in black widow and in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So that's your first cross. I just want to correct whoever wrote that article. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, good good if, call. Absolutely. If, if they're listening. I was like, when I heard, when I read that, I was like, no, it's not. And I'm like, it can't be. And then I started and I started thinking back. I'm like, nope, it was Contessa appearing in Black Widow. That was the first one. Good, uh, good catch. Anyway, uh, so my next pick of the night um, is Mission Impossible 7. Um, I've talked about how I'm a big Mission Impossible fan. Um, they shot Mission Impossible 7, and apparently they shot Mission Impossible 8 back-to-back and cut the movies in half to make two movies, one big story. This is another one that's been held back because of, like, COVID protocols. They've been doing everything they can to not shut down production. They had to stop filming, I believe, twice. Um, And we don't know what we're getting. Like, I'm just really excited for it. And I follow uh, the director, Christopher McQuarrie, on um, Instagram, and he posts some really amazing, like, photos of like scouting locations like hey we're here scouting locations and you're just like where is that what like that looks awesome what is that you know what i mean <laughs> so and but when you think about how the mission impossible movies are made and like what has to go into them because tom cruise won't do anything fake because he's like nope it's got cgi we can't do that um he has to do everything for real it makes me really excited to see what we're in store for for that movie so i've been kind of like when are we getting mission impossible 7 for a very long time um so yeah that's that's why that one makes my list so 
Yeah, I, I don't know if I have too much to add to that, but yeah, um, it's all good. I know you're not the Mission Impossible fan the way I am, so I'm just I'm really excited for that movie. So yeah, but but I do think I'm excited for this, and I do um, I do think about how practical effects typically do seem to stand the test of time a little bit better than CGI. And it almost seems like Tom Cruise has a good feel for, or a good grasp on the legacy he wants to leave behind. And he wants to do, you know, all real stunts and stuff because he knows future generations are going to be able to appreciate that more. And, uh, I just think it's really cool. And, uh, I really liked the, uh, the last mission impossible a ton. So I think I'm going to like this movie a lot as well, but, um, yeah, yeah, like you said, I'm not the mission impossible fan the same way you are, but when you say the last one, you're referring to fallout, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. I don't, I didn't know how many you've seen. That's why like, like the the most, the most recent maybe is the best, the better (laughs) way to phrase that. Sure. Okay. Um, what's your next one? So my next pick, I am going to go with Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, um, the sequel to the, I believe, 2018 Aquaman film. That sounds right to me, but I might be wrong on the year. But this is a movie, again, I really don't know. As far as storyline, I don't know what's going to be covered. I'm not the biggest Aquaman specific fan, even though I do think Aquaman's really cool. Um, But this is like this is the case where I loved the first movie. Um, I think James Wan is an amazing director. I think he handled the first movie so well. And when I think of the first movie, I think of all the cool Atlantean warfare stuff we saw. We saw like Aquaman riding like giant like crab monsters and stuff and just awesome fight scenes and kind of a lot of uh, a lot of action scenes that were a little bit mind bending as far as thinking of how combat like that would work underwater. And there's just there was such a cool world building and lore aspect to the first film. And I think this second film, what I'm expecting is that all to be expanded upon. I'm kind of expecting kind of uh, this new movie to follow in the footsteps of the first one and give us more of uh, all the greatest parts of the first movie. And uh, thinking of that and the visual spectacle and the world building and stuff, it's just, I can't help but be excited for this one. So not too much else to say from it. I just think this is going to be a really fun uh, movie when it comes out. Yeah. And until I see more of it and I'm totally with you, I just want to see more of what's in store. Really, that's what's going through my head. Absolutely. You know, constantly like what's the next piece of the puzzle? Um, Because when that first Aquaman movie came out, I was like, man, I've never seen a movie like this Um, Mm -hmm. because, you know, and it's not the and it wasn't on the story side because the story was felt very Lord of the Rings. But um, it was more on a technical side, like, dude, it's a movie underwater. You know what I yep. mean? I've never seen a movie like this before. Um, <laughs> and not like in the sense of, oh, like, you know, submarines and stuff. No, this is a movie like underwater where, you know, it, it, it's like it gave me hope for the live action, you know, Little Mermaid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I am really curious to see how this movie is going to play out. All right. So the next one on my list is I was I've been talking about it all night so far. Uh, Doc Strange 2. I cannot nice. wait for this movie. And I mean, I was excited before I was excited. They were doing a second one. I was excited when they mentioned the title. I got more excited when they said um, Scarlet, which was going to be in it. I got more excited when I saw No Way Home. I got more excited when I saw the trailer. I really feel like my excitement for this is way beyond what it should be. 
um, and I'm going to be let down. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but expectations can ruin movies. Let me put it that way. Um, but no, I'm just I want more Doctor Strange all the time. I can't wait to see how this plays out um, in that trailer for Doctor Strange um, in terms of like television crossover movie references. Um, I love that the evil Doctor Strange from the What If is what is in the trailer. So we got to see evil Doctor Strange from What If when Mordo said, uh, you're the biggest threat to the galaxy. I'm like, oh, my God. And then evil Doctor Strange comes out, <laughs> you know, so um, that was really cool to see that What If is an important television show to watch. So when you're watching your Marvel stuff, make sure you check out What If. Um, so, yeah, um, I don't have any more to say about Doctor Strange, too, because I'm just excited and don't know where it's going. And I'm just. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, your nice. next pick for the night. Yeah. So my next pick, um, I'm going to go with uh, Knives Out 2. Uh, ah. I, I honestly didn't realize how far along this movie was. But according to IMDb, this movie's actually in post-production, which yep. I didn't realize. But I remember talking to some friends. Um, it was it was a little while back. Like, I feel like it was months ago, but somebody mentioned uh, knives out too. And I kind of said, like, I don't understand how they continue that story. And I felt like knives out was such a good, just one piece story. Like it was, it was such a good story. Like they don't really need to expand on it. And my friend pointed out like, no, what they're doing is it's going to be about Daniel Craig's character as a detective. And like, the next uh, sort of mystery that he gets involved in. And I heard that and I was like, okay, this is awesome because this is like going into, I mean, with my limited literary sort of referencing, like I would compare it to like Sherlock Holmes or the Hardy boys where it's like a, a repeat sort of protagonist going through a bunch of different mystery stories. And I just think that is such a cool concept and knives out really felt times timeless to me this felt like a movie that could have been like it came out in i feel like 2018 or 2019 but it felt like it could have came out years before like it really had that timeless quality of like no this is just a really good mystery story and it was really a treat to experience and i'm expecting more of that from this next knives out movie um I haven't seen all of Ryan Johnson's movies, but I am a fan of The Last Jedi, and um, I did love Knives Out quite a bit, and uh, I'm just really excited for this one. Like, this, I think, is going to be fun, um, as well as just a really good film, and uh, I'm hoping there's a little bit of the bonkers antics that were in the first movie as well thrown in there. But, uh, Drew, what are your thoughts on this? Well, um, when I heard that they were doing a second one, my, I, I immediately jumped to the, oh, we're going to follow Daniel Craig and it's going to be he's going to be like a modern day yep. Sherlock Holmes. Um, I'm kind of hoping that um, I, I, I want to say Anna de Armas's character survived and maybe it'd be really cool if she like continued on and maybe he's like she's like his assistant now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, that would be awesome. Um, but no, like I'm this movie looks awesome as well. I was really impressed with the first one. Um, so I'm looking forward to this one. Um, it definitely made my short list. Uh, I will say you said you liked Ryan Johnson's movies that you've seen so far. I'm going to make a recommendation and watch the movie Brick. Um, it's one okay. of his it's one of his yeah, early, early movies um, you have. No, I, I haven't seen this. So okay. I'll definitely check it out. Yeah, check this out. It's an early movie of his. Um, it's like a. It's like a film noir mystery 
um, told through the eyes of like high school students. And, oh, cool. um, you're when as you're as you follow it, you're going to be you're I think you're going to be blown away at what he's trying to do, the storytelling that he's trying to create in this universe or in okay. that specific closed universe. It's a one movie thing. Um, you'll understand when I when you see it, but it's really, really good. It was really kind of blew my mind. I'm like, oh, this is this is a unique way of storytelling. And uh, it really got my attention. So uh, check nice. out Brick, check out Brick. Um, it's one of his earlier movies. Um, all right. So the final movie on my list, and we've talked about it already, and that is The Flash. Um, awesome. I this isn't like me, like saving it to the end specifically to talk about, but I saved it because um, because of Spider-Man No Way Home. It makes me really, really excited to see what they have planned because they have a big hill to climb because of how good Spider-Man was. Um, I'm so excited to see the multiple Batmans. I'm so excited to see Flashpoint realized, however it's supposed to be realized, um, however they're planning on it. Um, it's just it has me very curious now seeing Spider-Man first. So. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. OK, what's your final pick for the night? Yeah. So my final pick is um, I didn't mean for this to be my final pick, but it's actually my last one is uh, Morbius. Um, and this movie just looks awesome. I really love me a good uh, monster movie. I also really love superhero movies like those actually might be my two favorite movie <laughs> genres in general. And this is kind of an awesome combination of the of both of them. Like, let's take a vampire story and let's turn everything up to 11 and make it really bombastic and super powered and stuff. Um, I've really loved the uh, Venom movies so far, and I feel like this movie's going to kind of uh, carry that torch. You know, we're going to get the next uh, Sony Spider-Verse movie, and uh, it's going to be about Morbius, which... You know, before this movie was announced, we pr none of us probably would have guessed that that's the character we're going to focus on. But I just think it looks like a really fun vampire movie. It looks like I know it's based on a comic book character, but just looking in the uh, in the the vast uh, library of cinema that's out there, I think this does look like a unique take on vampires, which is really fun. And um, yeah, I don't know what, what more to say. I just I think this one looks really cool and i know we've talked about it a couple times on the show but i'm pretty excited about this one and, so and you're gonna get it right after the holidays that's early january release too oh damn yeah I'm, maybe <laughs> i gotta do a morbius scream double feature or something <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, that's it yeah <laughs> uh, i will say this since that brings us to the end of our list i will say that there are several several movies when you look up the year of 2022 what movies are coming out we know all the genre movies. We know all the big tentpole films, all the comic book movies are the ones that tie themselves to like Top Gun, Mission Impossible, Scream, you know, those kind of things. Um, there's a ton of movies that um, we don't know what they are yet. Um, there's probably trailers out there, but even if I saw the trailer, I can say, oh, it looks good. I want to see it, but I can't put it on an anticipated list because yeah. I don't know enough about it. Like there's a movie coming out. Sandra Bullock, Brad Pitt, Channing Tatum. It's called The Lost City. Go check out this trailer. It's gonna. It looks so funny, but it. I can't put it on an anticipated list because I don't know enough about the movie, and it's not something that I've been dying to see for a really long time. So there's definitely movies. Um, there's definitely movies that are coming that um, I want to see. I just can't put them on the list yet because I don't know enough. 
Um, and I know that probably goes for you too. Um, just because, you know, it's, there's a ton of stuff coming this year. So yes, we had a lot of genre stuff to talk about tonight, but you know, this is, these are things we're excited about. So, and I, I think that's a really good point. And I think it's cool to think about how sometimes my favorite movie, my favorite movies every year are the movies that I wasn't anticipating and maybe I didn't know anything about, but I just happened to see. And they, then they ended up, uh, kind of blowing my mind. Like, um, I keep going back to one of my favorite movies from the last couple of years is, uh, the movie Midsummer, which is the, um, horror movie that got like a ton of hype and stuff. But this is a movie that I really enjoyed watching and it was a really unique experience. And it's a movie that I almost want to say on a weekly basis, I think about one aspect or another of that movie. Like this movie's really stuck with me, but it never would have been in my most anticipated movies of I feel like it came out in 2019, but I might be wrong there. But it never would have been in my most anticipated movies of that year. But it's one of my favorite movies I've seen, you know, over the last so many years. So that's a really good point to bring up. So, um, yeah, there's lots of good things to look forward to. And um, I guess if you're bored, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> That's all I can say there. So. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, that's a good point. Um, the uh, next week, because we did anticipated television, uh, sorry, movies for 2022. Next week, we're going to do anticipated television of 2022. So the five television shows that we're most excited about for next week. Um, so, Peter, I can't wait to see what you got. Um, it's going to be a hard one. There's so much to come in, in terms of television. And I have a feeling the entirety of our lists will be streaming shows because well, most network television is dead. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I'm really curious to see what we got because, you know, we have it when you when you put it into perspective, we have a lot of uh, Star Wars coming. We have a lot of Marvel coming. We we've got some cool stuff on the way. So, um, yeah, anticipated shows next week. Um do you have anything to add before we throw this episode in the can? Because that brings us to the end of uh, this week. No, yeah, I don't. I don't really have too much to add, but um, yeah, a lot, lot Perfect. to look forward to. That's I guess that's all I'll say. <laughs> Perfect. Well, everyone, do us all a favor and check out our website, topfivereport.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with the link to our email, topfivereport at gmail.com. You can interact with the show there. Hit us up on our G, uh, social media. Either way works. Um, we are on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Um, you can subscribe to us in those places. Um, you can, uh, If you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review. We love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. You can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Uh, Peter, where do you want them to find you? Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, and that's where I'll be explaining why Billy Batson has to be very careful when describing what app he uses to determine what song is playing. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's amazing. All right, everybody, for the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And happy D20, everybody. Happy D20 Day, everyone. Um, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.